0: Tonight here at Ground Zero Ministries, we're going to continue down through our Bible teaching. And tonight we're going to be discussing the the book of Nahum. Nahum is a, a collection of poems that were written announcing the downfall of Assyria and Nineveh. Now, two weeks ago I was talking about Jonah and the repentance of Nineveh. You know, and last week we talked about Micah, and it's like, well, wait a minute. Why is this flip-flopping so fast? But I did a little bit of research, and Jonah was written in somewhere between 785 and 760 B.C. Micah was written in 742 to 687 B.C. Nahum was written in 663 B.C. So there's literally, you know, a 100 or so years between the Book of Jonah and the Book of Nahum, even though it's only a matter of a couple of pages. But what we sometimes fail to see in Scripture is that there's mass amount of times that go by. I remember back when we were going through the book of Judges, you know, from the beginning of the book to the end of the book, it's literally around four hundred years. You know, so sometimes scripture, you know, bounces us forward or backwards, depends on, you know, where the book is in, in the canon. And it's important to sometimes kind of do some research. We're very fortunate in these days that we have Google and we can, uh, research things. You know, I like handing out those study Bibles. A lot of you have them. If you don't have a study Bible and would like one, let me know. I'd be more than happy to give you one. Because it answers a lot of the these types of questions, all these things that I just talked about, the dates, were in the Bible, you know, and uh it helps us to kind of understand, you know, how come it seems like it's contradicting. You know, one minute Nineveh's repenting and everything's good, the next minute Nineveh's getting destroyed. So, you know, it's important that we see that there's, you know, a hundred years in between, you know. For us, you know, within a few weeks, we can flip-flop pretty fast, can't we? So anyway, you know, this is where Assyrians, you know, Assyria's rise, you know, they became this great nation, they expanded into Israel, that resulted in Israel's total destruction in their exile, you know, especially in northern, the northern country Judah, you know, and they went down into Jerusalem and destroyed that as well, and destroyed the temple, and exiled everybody. So, you know, a lot of Assyrians' neighbors were in fear of them, you know, and they were anticipating their, their downfall. So eventually, this came in 1612 BC when the Babylonians rose up in rebellion, took over Nineveh, which brought down the Assyrian nation. You know, Nahum is in here declaring that this is the appearance of God in his glory. Which in a similar way Micah began to talk about as he was talking about the day of the Lord. You know, this is where our creator comes in and begins to take care of evil in many different ways as he did in Israel's case when Israel was worshiping idols and having injustice and taking advantage of the poor and, and worshiping, you know, various different, you know, pagan gods, having idol worship children's sacrifices, and all sorts of other crazy things that God rose up and dealt with them. Now, he gave the Assyrians a chance to repent, and apparently they did, according to the book of Jonah. But yet, they didn't let go of their idols and ended up leaving God behind and, and continuing to worship you know, in you know, various different ways. And, and God decided to deal with them harshly. You know, Moses, you know, or Nahum goes in and quotes to Moses out of Exodus, that God is slow to anger, but is great in power, and he won't leave evil unpunished. You know, that he gives us a long time to come to repentance, doesn't he? From the first time that God speaks to us about certain areas of our life, is it minutes, is it, Hours that go by when all of a sudden everything comes crashing down? No, it's weeks, months, years even, some of us have had, before everything falls apart. And, you know, we've been warned several times. At least I know that I was. You know, and it was time to get sober. It was time to change my ways. It was time to, to stop doing some of the things that I was doing. And because I didn't, you know, going in and out of jail became... A regular thing for me. You know, a lot of depression, a lot of anger, a lot of suicidal thoughts. Because my sin wasn't being dealt with. And I had this overwhelming oppression that was weighing down on me. That in that moment, God is close to the brokenhearted, but we still have to call up to Him. And in my arrogance, I didn't want anything to do with God. So I continued to do it my way. And I found other things besides addiction to, you know, addiction to drugs and alcohol, to find satisfaction, my addiction to porn, my addiction to sex. You know, tried to find satisfaction and it kept bringing me lower and lower and more broken and more broken to the point where I was so fed up that when someone said, do you want to come to church? I said, it can't hurt. At this point, it can't hurt. Never in a million years would I imagine that this is what I'd be doing with my life. But God, at His wisdom, and His timing, and through my sin, met me in a moment and said, come, come this way. You know, and even still, as I was, you know, coming to church and Jesus was becoming real, that all I wanted to do was stay sober. That I wasn't allowing Jesus to deal with my sexual sin. The the Bible's outdated. It doesn't have anything to do with, you know, this day and age. You know, I don't respect it. I don't want to hear about my sexual relationships. I just want God to help me to stay sober. And I ran from the church because of my sin. And I went back into addiction because now I'm not just running from my pain, I'm running from God too, you know, and I ran into all sorts of things, and you know one partner after another, and more drugs and more alcohol and, and stealing and lying, and you know and it, the chaos comes right back real fast, you know and in my sin, God spoke to me and gave me an opportunity to to be free again. We don't deserve this. You know, and sometimes we think that God owes us something. You know, and God owes us nothing. That it's so important for us to realize that He's God and we're not. And we should find our proper place submitted to Him and allow Him to speak into our lives and begin to direct our steps. Because when we not only just get sober, but begin to allow the Word of God to, to heal our mind and heal our heart and, and be the lamp upon our steps. That even though when we make plans, he, he takes us in different directions. I can speak for myself, but I also know some of you that our lives continue to get better. Is it perfect? No. Is it, are we exactly where we want to be? No. Because we want everything now. We don't like waiting. But God likes taken us through these pathways to build our character so that when he does bless us we don't just throw it away like we used to you know and he uses hardship sometimes to get our attention he gives us wake up calls like you might go to jail like all right I'm done <laughs> you're about to lose your marriage all right I'm done you're about to lose your kids all right I'm done you know and we all have that story where i'm about to all right And it doesn't mean that more consequences don't keep coming because we've been sinning for a while that we've done a lot of stuff. But if we truly call out to God and repent and humble ourselves before Him, things begin to shift. Things begin to shift. He is slow to anger. I'm so grateful that we don't get consequences every time we sin. None of us would have made it here tonight. (laughs) You know, he allows us that time to truly allow him to speak and and things to begin to shift. You know, that he he wants us to come to him as our father and, and his, his broken children that, that want to to be closer to him. You know, he gives us refuge. You know, he gives us safety, he gives us protection, he gives us provision. But we first have to humble ourselves and say, Lord, I, I can't keep doing this. I can't keep living this way. Because the consequences are, are, our, our sins bring that judgment upon us. And each one of us have felt that overwhelming feeling where we're feeling uncomfortable, and I don't like the way that I'm feeling, and you know, and it's like I can't get free, and I have this thing in my stomach, and my mind's racing. You know, and everybody wants to throw pills at that stuff. When if truly we would just repent, that that depression would lift, that oppression would lift, that anxiety would lift. Now granted, I mean, I'm not saying anything poor about medications. That's not my point. Because some of us have been doing this for a long, long time, and there's a lot of crazy in here. But I have found that if I continue to do things God's ways, He begins to make my pathway straight and brings healing to my very crazy, broken mind, my very shattered and hardened heart. He begins to heal and, and mend and, and bring me back together again in, in ways that I never even knew possible. And there are so many testimonies in this room of how God has taken us out of very broken, broken places and begin to guide us and to heal our lives, heal our marriages, heal our families, heal our children. Story after story after story, how God reached down into the darkest of places when we didn't even know if we believed. And some of us didn't believe. Some of us believed other things. And He came and got us anyway. Because he's a loving God. And so often people you know talk about the God of the Old Testament's different than the God of the new. It's the same God. There is so much redemptive mercy, if you really begin to look into the text of the Old Testament, that He takes them out of such dark and broken places. I mean, they're worshiping other gods, they're sacrificing their children. And yet he tries to rescue them time and time again. You know, Nahum is portraying Nineveh's fall as an example as to how God is at work in history. That He won't allow arrogant and violent nations of this world to go unpunished. You know, it's very similar to Daniel's message when he interpreted the dream how the Assyrians and the Babylonians were going to be destroyed. And then Persia and Greece was going to be destroyed. And Rome was going to be destroyed. And then the Messiah was going to come and establish His kingdom. But then what have we watched? We've watched England come and go. We've watched Germany come and go. We've watched Russia come and go. We've watched Japan come and go. Every time that there's an oppressive nation, they... they Last a bit. They do some damage. But at some point now, God begins to bring correction. You know, I remember growing up in the Cold War was a thing. And the communists were coming. Remember? Anybody remember this stuff? You know, we're afraid of big red, you know? Russia and China, you know, they're going to get us. Well, now, China is considered the most Christian nation on the planet. They're still a communist nation, and it's still not legal to be an active, practicing Christian, but there's more Christians in China than there is America. That millions upon millions of people are coming to know the Lord in a Buddhist and Hindu nation run by communists pretty crazy when you think about it. It's just a matter of time before that government falls, whether it's democracy or whatever that takes place, but Christianity will reign in that country as it already is, and they can't stop it. You know, we've watched our country go up and down, you know. But it's a little bit more free to talk about Jesus these days. You know, whether you agree with the government or not, it doesn't matter. We're hearing Jesus get talked about through the airwaves, and a lot, a lot different than it was a few years ago. Do I agree with all the politics? No. Who does? Who does? But what I do know is that injustices are being attacked from the top of the government, even though other parts of the government are bringing injustices in. Kind of crazy. But what I see in this text and what I believe about our God is that injustices won't go unpunished. Evil will be dealt with one way or another. And it's not whether I determine it's evil or not, or you determine it's evil or not, because we might have a different understanding of what we say is evil. But God's word never changes. And God does what God says he's going to do. You know, this country was born on injustice. You know, the things that were done in the beginning of our, our country's, you know, history is awful. It's almost been written out of the history books, but they hide it now. What we did to the American Indians and what we did to the Africans, you don't hear about it anymore. We're trying to erase it. The injustices that took place, the evil that took place as greedy men took advantage of people and stole land. Are we a Christian nation? It depends on who you ask. Will God deal with us one day? Probably. It's been the history. Every nation that rises to power and then oppresses the poor and takes advantage of the poor and, and and kills children. <laughs> it's dealt with harshly. When's our day? I don't know. Will we see it? I don't know. But God's word doesn't change. It says, woe to the evil who builds empires on the blood of the innocent. Injustices that built the Assyrians, which made them so successful. The violence that they sown as the seeds was their own destruction It's pretty crazy. you know, I talked about it before in Jonah. The Assyrians were known for the despicable things that they would do, like their army wouldn't just go in and destroy an area; they would play these evil games, like they would you know challenge one. Part of the army against one of the other parts of the army, like who can collect the most heads? You know, we're going to collect the, the necklace of the ears. They're going to collect, you know, thumbs. They're going to collect feet, you know, and they would make piles. So when everybody, after they would leave and people would come into that area, they would see all these dead people and piles of body parts. And it would scare everyone to not to mess with the Assyrians. So the evil and the violence that they sow, God raised up another nation, Babylon, to deal with them. And then God raised up another nation to deal with Babylon, and then another nation to deal with Persia, and another nation to deal with Greece, and another nation to deal with Rome, and here we are, another nation. Nahum kinds of ends with this talk to the Assyrian king, you know, he'd been stricken with a fatal wound. It's like, who's coming to help you? You know, and it's almost like a warning of how we treat people. You know, if we're vile to people and then all of a sudden it's our time that we need something and nobody wants to help us. That's been my case. How about you? You know, that we can't treat people poorly and then expect kindness in return. I see now that, you know how Jesus has changed my mind and the way that I live. That I didn't live this way. We didn't live this way. The way that we talk, the way we act, and the things that we do are very foreign. If you could take us back in time and, and show our younger selves who we're becoming... How we would be mocked by ourselves, would we not? I know I would. I'd be like, what? No, that's not a thing. That's not gonna happen to me. Christians. But all the surrounding countries to to Nineveh and Assyria were celebrating at their destruction. You know, there's times that, I mean, you could say that Nahum's book is kind of dark because of the way the poetry and, and the way he's, you know, writing this. You know, it's, it's talking about the injustices and the evil. But he's also addressing these tragedies. This violent oppression, the human suffering in history, that our world has been filled with these types of nations and tribes that have used other people to succeed, taking what they want and resulting of death of the innocent. Unfortunately, we see it today. You know, there's always new news of some horrific thing that's taking place. You know, and it's not, it's not just evil. It's not just the devil. It's We have a sin nature. That we're greedy. That we take advantage of people. That slavery shouldn't be a thing in 2019. But yet, there's technically more slaves on the planet today than there has been in all of history combined that's crazy like the sex slave industry is still going out of control and kids are being snatched up every day so people can take advantage of them and and gain money at their profit of their brokenness you know and, I, and I'm glad that there's ministries out there that are helping You know, men and women and children find freedom out of different types of sex slavery and different types of painful events that they've been through. Similar to this ministry trying to help us find freedom out of our broken, sinful ways. You know, that there there are little lamps all throughout the world of men and women that are following Jesus, trying to help the broken and oppressed. Deal with the sin of this world and, and teach people about Jesus even though evil has taken place to them personally. It's not something that we can really turn a blind eye to anymore. Especially now these, this new news of, of New York State passing, you know, these laws about abortion and other states following it. But then other states rallying and, and creating new laws that say that that we can't do that. And then the President speaking at the State of a Union address that we should not allow this stuff. Some of the room is applauding and some of the room is straight-faced. There's just evil. There's just injustice. There's just sin that's taking place in this world today. And we have to pray. We have to pray for this government. We need to pray for the leaders. Whether we like the leaders or not, we should be praying for them. The more that we don't like the leader, we should pray for that person. Right? Rather than just, I hate that one. We should actually say, God, guide that individual. They are in a place of influence. They are running our country. They are making laws. They are changing things that we should be praying for them. Rather than just being sickened by their actions and hating their politics, that we should be praying for our leaders. We should be praying for our churches. We should be praying for our pastors and the things that they deal with on a regular basis. It's crazy sometimes. You know, Nahum is going on and telling that, that God is grieved by the death of the innocent. But God's goodness and justice compel him to to bring freedom to the oppression of these nations. You know, Nahum makes this statement that God's judgment on evil is good news. Now we hear this term good news in the New Testament. You know, the gospel is good news. And some of us don't even know why. And that's crazy. The good news is that Jesus took our punishment for our evil, our injustice, our sin. That our sin was punished. Jesus took it. Jesus took our evil Jesus took our sin and He was punished. And that's the good news. That we don't get into heaven because we're good. We get into heaven because we recognize how bad we really are. That's the good news. Is that we deserve punishment. We deserve eternal damnation. Well, I'm not that bad, Tom. You're the worst sinner you know. And I'm the worst sinner that I know. That I'm so grateful that I didn't get arrested for all the crimes that I've committed. How about you? <laughs> we would have a prison ministry. <laughs> Many of us wouldn't see the light of day for a long, long time. And we have to keep that in mind that we we desire mercy, don't we? God forgive us. And he has and he will. All we have to do is ask. First John 1 9 says he's faithful and just to remove all unrighteousness if we confess our sins to him. But we need to remember that mercy when other people have sinned against us. That if I'm the worst sinner I know and people sin against me, that I need to give away that grace that I've so freely received because of the good news that Jesus paid the price of my sin. I know that some of us have been through very traumatic events. Some of us have done some pretty traumatic events. And we have to understand that there's complete forgiveness in Christ. But we have to come to Him and humble ourselves and say, forgive me for what I've done. And I really encourage you to be specific. I know that like when we get saved, we do our little sinner's prayer and poof for better. It's not a thing. It's not in Scripture. That we need to come before Him and, and repent of our sins specifically and say, Father, forgive me for what I've done. And know that Jesus paid the price for that sin. And then when the enemy tries to remind us of how we've screwed up, we can tell him that Jesus bought and paid for me. Take a hike, Jack. Kick rocks. And we can tell him to get behind us. And we keep following Jesus. That there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus because the blood of Jesus has washed our sin away. But if we haven't confessed our sin, the enemy keeps using it against us over and over and over again because we don't know that we're really forgiven because we haven't really come to him and said, forgive me of this. So when the enemy tries to remind us of those things specifically, and we're not quite sure that he's forgiven us or not, this is why we get stuck. This is why we get confused. This is why we can't quite move forward. This is why we feel depressed. This is why we have a lot of anxiety. It's because we need to come before Jesus and confess our sins and believe the Word of God that it says that our sins have been forgiven in full. And then we need to remind the enemy, submit to God, and the enemy will flee because he realizes we finally realized who we are in Christ. That we don't have to be stronger. We don't have to try to force it we just have to trust that his word is true and if our sin has been bought and paid for we have to remind the enemy because if we don't believe it we can't walk in freedom even though it may be true we don't feel that it's true and then we still operate as sinners because i don't know if god's forgiven me or not but we have to trust the text that the text says that the good news that all sin has been paid for, but I have to give it to Him. All sin of all time, past, present, future, paid for at the cross. And I have to give Him mine and receive that payment, that justification, that, that the transfer, that He takes my sin and I take His righteousness. And we have to begin to know who we are in Christ. So this evil of this day and the sin of our past doesn't continue to consume us, that we can walk as lights in a very dark, dark world. It's very important that we know the good news. It's that it's not that I behave better and God loves me more. It's that God loved me completely before I ever knew. It's what Romans 5.8 says, Even while I was still a sinner, He died for me. He died for you. And that's the good news, is that He laid His life down so that we could have freedom. The Lord is a good and great refuge in our days of distress. Now haven't we had many of those? And I care to say we will have many more because we still live in a sinful world. However, we can walk differently than we used to if we trust in the Word of God and know that we are in Christ. That we have to take refuge in Him. Not just go to church and claim that we're Christians. We need to take refuge in Him. What does that mean, Tom? Get in your Bible. Read it. Talk to people that have walked this step a little bit longer than you. Ask questions. Humble yourself. Ask for help. Read, pray, study. Chase after Jesus the same way you chased after your sin. You'll start to learn who you are in Christ and who Christ really is, not just the guy that we go to church for. That He there's this verse in Nahum 1-7. It says, Nahum is asking the readers to humble themselves in front of God's justice and to trust in Him and His timing that He will bring down the oppressors every time. And that's the verse that I just read. It's the Lord is good and in refuge in the day of distress and He cares for those who take refuge in Him. You just bow your head to me. Lord, I just pray that we could come to you, no matter what we're going through, the hardships of this day, the things that we're still struggling from yesterday, and the the days that that led up to this, Lord. Some of us are still processing and and navigating through the consequences of the things that we've done in in the past. But as we take refuge in you, you give us peace in the midst of it. So Lord, I just ask that you would move right now and bring peace to every heart and every mind in this room. Every person that's listening to my voice, Lord, would find peace in you as they humble themselves before you and ask for you to give them strength. That we don't have to figure it all out. We just have to trust in your Word. And Lord, when you called the Assyrians to repent, and they did, that you... Poured out Your mercy upon them. But as they continued to worship the idols and continue to practice evil things, Lord, that You gave them a hundred years before You dealt with their sin. And Lord, I pray that any of us that are allowing sin to creep back in, that we would come before You and, and repent and ask You to forgive us. And that we would find refuge and safety in You And that You would pour out Your mercy on us once again. That the good news is that You paid for our sins, even if we committed them today. So Lord, help us to trust in Your Word and to build our relationship with You and to know who You really are.